Hey, this is Pastor Michael Alfaro from The Calling Church. I'm so excited that you're listening to our church podcast. I pray that it blesses you and encourages your faith. So hey, we're going to be in, in Luke chapter 19 this morning. I have a special word for you for this special Palm Sunday. If you don't know what Palm Sunday is, um, it's a special uh, tradition within the, within the uh, uh, church of Jesus Christ. In fact, um, one thing I see all the time with, with the Catholic Church is they, I don't know if you've seen it, they braid, I believe, these palm branches into crosses. Is that, actually, it seems like it's a talent. I don't know how they do it. It's amazing. But it's a significant day today, and I'll be teaching and preaching about the significance of Palm Sunday in Luke chapter 19. And you might have wondered, why are these big branches out there on the wrought iron gates? What does that mean? It's because of Palm Sunday. So we're going to be getting into that. So get into your Bibles or take out your, your iPhones. Do not go on Instagram, all right? I'm going to tell God, watch, God's watching y'all, okay? Do not go on Instagram, all right? Not right now, just for a second, all right? All right, so we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 28 in the NIV. And I have a special word for you. I believe it's going to bless you. And uh, I just want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you so deeply. And it's amazing as I study the scriptures and I get into it in the content and context of it, just how rich God's love is. Is for his people. Come on, somebody. I don't know if you've ever thought in your life that God has not loved you. Let me tell you how inaccurate that is. Jesus Christ has gone above and beyond and will do whatever it takes to go after you. I always say all the, all the time, the only thing that you can do to stop Jesus from loving you, actually, you cannot do anything. All right? God gives you a choice to love him back. And even if you run from it, God is going to go after you. Some of you are here this morning, and you've been running from God. Come on, somebody. You've been running from God. And you know that God has gone after you. So now you found yourself in a church because now you're giving in to God. Come on, somebody. You out there, all right? Because you know God is not going to give up on you. Amen? So we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, talking about Palm Sunday. And it says this. It says, after Jesus had said this, all right, he was teaching, he went on ahead, say ahead, he went on ahead, going to Jerusalem, all right, Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. Now check this out. Now it's quite prophetic and quite amazing. What, what's the capital of Israel today? Jerusalem, right? It might not be politically correct, but what's crazy is th- these are prophecies that are actually being fulfilled right now. And think about it for the Jewish people. This is extraordinary. This is amazing, all right? This is prophetic, all right? Now, obviously, it may not be PC, but according to Bible and tradition, this is this something going on here, all right? So going up to Jerusalem, as he approached Bethpage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives. Say Mount of Olives. Not the one right here in Doherty, all right? I know that's the Mount of Olives right there, all right? That's just an exit, all right? He sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt. Say colt. A colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Now, let me just pause there. That's significant for religious reasons because the Jewish people, what they would do is when they would use, um, when they give sacrifices and things like that, um, uh, they would take it without blemish, without defect, all right? Now, sometimes the Jewish people, when they were, you know, you know say evil or corrupt back then, they would act and not give God their best. They would actually give them blemished animals, blind animals, animals with broken legs. And in the Old Testament, 
prophets would say, why are you giving God animals sacrifices with broken legs and blind and they're missing God? God wants your first and your best, right? So right here, the significance is that this colt has never been ridden, so it's special. So untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you, why are you untying it? Tell, I always find this funny. Check this out. If anyone asks you, why are you unti- untying it? Tell them the Lord needs it. All right. Just say, if you ever need anything, say, tell someone the Lord needs it. All right. And they're, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. All right. Some of you might do that. All right. The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead uh, went and found it just as he had told them. As they were, uh, some of you right now this morning, God has been giving you a word. Maybe for the year, for the month, maybe the last quarter. God has been telling you something. And you're afraid that God is not going to fulfill it. You're afraid that God is, you know, I'm not sure God said this to me. Let me tell you, when God tells you something, he means it. Just like right here in scripture, when he says it, you can take it to the bank. You can trust it, all right? It's not just pizza, all right, or the bad cookie dough, all right? Whatever it is, all right? But God means what he says, and you can always take it to the bank. I believe, let me just share something prophetic with you right now. When God called Karina and I to start a church, let me tell you something. There was no church. Kareen was my first member, and I said, please don't leave, girl. I need you, all right? There was no church. So the fact that you're sitting here this morning is quite prophetic because God had told us a while ago, years ago, that you all would show up. Come on, somebody. Can I get a good amen, all right? All right? And it's not over. We're just getting started. Come on, somebody. All right? Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell them the Lord needs it, all right? Those who were uh, sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them, all right? As they were untying the coat, its owners asked them, why are you untying, untying the coat? They replied, the Lord needs it, all right? They brought it to Jesus through their cloaks. Now, the NIV and the English doesn't tell us this. We can just breeze right past it, all right? A little bit of teaching for you. Is that okay? Because sometimes we need some teaching. Come on, somebody. I think naturally I'm better of, of a preacher, to be honest. I get loud and excited, all right? Maybe because I'm a Dodger fan. I don't know, all right? But here the cloaks actually are prayer shawls. And if you remember and if you've seen um, any kind of Jesus movies back then. Let me put this on the ground because it's in my way. If you've seen any kind of movies about Jesus, do you remember what the Jews would wear over their heads, right? They actually would wear these, they look like tents that are over their heads. And, and Jesus, right? <laughs> Almost like, looks like, a, like, like Luke Star, Luke, like Star Wars cloaks, all right? All right, so they would put these shawls over their head and what they are, they're prayer shawls. That's their intimacy with, G, with God. That's their prayer time with God. When Jesus would pray and go away from the disciples, it takes some time alone to be with God the Father. Jesus would put on his prayer shawl and have this intimacy with God. So when it says cloaks, it's kind of just, uh, it kind of watered down the significance. But this is significant. It says they brought it to Jesus. They threw their prayer shawls. Come on, somebody. They didn't just throw their cloaks. They threw their prayer shawls on the cold. And put, it on, on G, uh, put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their prayer shawls or their cloaks on the road. All right? When he came near. Now, isn't that prophetic as well? Because they're actually saying, you know what? The person that we're praying to is sitting on the donkey. The person that we're praying to is actually walking into Jerusalem. Come on, somebody. All right? Say, uh, now I lost myself. When they came near the place... Uh, where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, there's that word again, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles. Say miracles. Have you seen a miracle? Come on, somebody. Have you seen a miracle? They had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In other words, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. 
And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, all right, rebuke your disciples. I, uh, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Now this is significant, verse 42, and said, If you, even you, Jesus is talking here, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. Come on, do you know what would bring you peace today, church? Come on, somebody. Do you know what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from, uh, uh, from your eyes. The days will come. Say, days will come. Now, I'm going to teach on this later. Jesus is, is actually being very prophetic. This hasn't happened. It will happen. He says, the days will come, uh, uh, you, uh, come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. Quite tragic here. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Talking about maybe the temple as well and the walls of Jerusalem. Because you did not recognize. Say recognize. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you or the time of God's visitation to you. Let's pray for the message. Father, we just bless you. God, we just thank you, Lord. God, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move through me, that you would speak to hearts, speak to lives, remove the darkness, remove the depression, remove the sickness, remove the pain. Anything that the enemy would use, God, to destroy the seed that you want to sow into our hearts this morning. God, we ask that you unveil our eyes so that we see you clearly, how you're moving, how you're working in our lives. God, we thank you for this church. God, we thank you for everything you're doing. We thank you for every person that is here, and I believe divinely, Lord, every person that is here is here for a great significance because you had inspired them to be here this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen and amen. I call this message, cheers, jeers, and tears, all right? Cheers, jeers, and che- tears. Let me say it again. Cheers, jeers, and tears, all right? Uh, I don't know about you, and I'm going to use probably, this will be the last reference, I promise you, about me being a Dodger fan, all right? I'll use it in two more weeks, okay? No, I don't know about you, but for the last two years, I don't know if you've been to a concert, I don't know if you've been to a movie, or been to a, a, a sporting event where you're, you're cheering on your, your favorite team, all right? And for me, for the last two years, come on, somebody, it's been about 31 years since the Dodgers have gone to the World Series and actually won the World Series. Come on, somebody. It was 1988. Let's give the Lord a clap for that. We can get excited for that, all right? Yes, all right? Some of you are like, this is church, not baseball. Anyway, all right? Uh, uh, 1988. But for the last two years, I want to let you know for me, I don't know about for y'all, but for me, it's felt like cheers, it's felt like jeers, and I felt some tears. Come on, somebody. I'm cheering for the Dodgers. I'm rude. I believe in you. You can beat these guys. Come on. We can do it, right? We got amazing players. We got Dave Roberts. And then all of a sudden, I want to throw my shoe at the TV and say, Dave Roberts, what are you doing? What, what decisions are you making? All right? And then I start crying, realizing we're getting clamored by the Boston Red Sox. All right? Now, I don't know about you, but uh, that, I've experienced a lot for the last year. I don't know if you're a Laker fan. And maybe at the beginning of this year, we we're like, we got LeBron. Oh, come on. So we're going to cheer. Come on, go Lakers. All right. And now at the end of the year, we want to throw our shoe at the TV because Magic Johnson just left the team. All right. All right. 
No Laker fans. All right, some of us. All right, Clipper fans maybe. All right, all right. And we're crying. All right, poor Lakers. Actually, we need to pray for the Lakers more than the Dodgers. To be quite honest with you, all right, they have they've been falling from a great, uh, yeah, they're they're prestigious team. All right. So cheers, jeers, and tears. What is the significance of that? What is quite significant as I was studying the passage of this text is that, and you know, let me let me go on to say this as well. Uh, a lot of times uh, uh, we have these cheers and jeers in our own hearts. And in fact, some of us in our own mentality and our souls, we cheer ourselves on. There are times we believe in ourselves. There are times we know we can do it. There are times where we pump ourselves up and we, we talk good to ourselves. And then, come on, somebody, I know you're out there. I'm not the only one. There are times where we start jeering ourselves, don't we? We start bad-mouthing ourselves. We start to tell ourselves that we're not good enough. We start to tell ourselves, uh, we start to uh, uh, badmouth ourselves, be disrespectful to ourselves. Right? We can start cheering, or jeering, excuse me, for ourselves. So we, there's this contention of cheering and jeering all within us, isn't there? Let me tell you something. Jesus also lived with this contention of cheering, jeering, and tears. Let me tell you, Jesus died beside two criminals on a cross. Jesus Christ was not a criminal. There was one person symbolically, if you will, cheering on Jesus. Lord, will you remember me when you go to paradise? And Jesus tells him, yes, together we'll be in paradise, right? And there's someone on the opposite side of Jesus, jeering Jesus. Well, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, if you have performed these miracles, why don't you get yourself off the cross? And while you're at it, why don't you get me down too, right? He's jeering him. He's telling him, you're not the Son of God. He's mocking him. So Jesus knows what to live like in this contention. You might live like in this contention, all right? And in this chapter, we see this cheers jeers and tears the significance of this passage is quite amazing it's because jesus is in, as willing now you you heard of the movie the passion of the christ and you might have thought that's just the title of a movie but did you know when church history today marks the day of passion week and what does that mean? It's so amazing how much our God loves us. Passion Week actually means that Jesus willingly made his moves, knew what he was doing politically and religiously, going into Jerusalem through those city gates. He knew what he was doing. He was saying, I'm coming to you as king, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. Jerusalem, I am your king. And they're cheering him on. But let me tell you, the way that Jesus enters Jerusalem is not the same way that he leaves. Let me say that again. The way that Jesus enters Jerusalem is not the same way he leaves. What do I mean by that? They're cheering him on. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. And by Friday, just a few days away, they're actually saying, crucify, crucify. How powerful is that? What had happened within the time frame? So they're cheering and then they're jeering him. In fact, remember, Barabbas, they would say, you know, let's release Barabbas, this insurrectionist, this murderer over this innocent man who's done nothing wrong but perform miracles and heal people and love people and, and, and heal prostitutes, right, and, and heal blind beggars. But let's release Barabbas. What an amazing thing. What an amazing turn of events. But let me tell you something. Jesus entering Jerusalem knew this all along. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew by coming on Palm Sunday, this was his last week to do ministry. This was his last week. This was him fulfilling prophecy. This was him fulfilling his mission 
on the earth. Let me tell you something. As you walk this life, you might be 60, you might be 80, you might be 20. But let me tell you, let me give you some wisdom from a 31-year-old millennial. I know this. I'm not the brightest guy in the world, but you will have some contention in your life. But let me tell you, heaven has a purpose on your life, and God wants you to see that through. God wants you to live that out. Come on, somebody. Even through the contention, right? Even though if you got a supporter on your right and a doubter on the left, God is with you and wants you to see your mission accomplished. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching to somebody today? You're going to have some contention. But I love my Savior. I love Jesus. Whether it's through the cheering, whether it's through the jeering, whether it's through the tears, Jesus is still faithful to the mission. Come on, somebody. He is faithful to the mission. Thank God Jesus is not an emotional mess. Sometimes I am. I'll be honest with you, all right? All right? But thank God. No matter whether, no matter, no matter if the people of Jerusalem are cheering him on on the stands or they're doubting him and booing him, he's still, a, he's still faithful to the call of his father. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? Isn't that amazing? So on Palm Sunday, the people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And on Friday, people were shouting, crucify. Give us Barabbas. Are you for real, Jerusalem? You want this guy to go, go out on your streets? Right? All right. And uh, uh, what a so scholar. One thing is I was studying and I confused my wife. So I promise you, I won't confuse you. All right. I worked on it. All right. Uh, uh, One thing that's a little interesting is we don't know if the same people say same. We don't know if it's the same people who are actually the ones who are cheering him on saying Hosanna. We don't know if those same people were actually saying crucify. Hypothetically, it might be. Hypothetically, it might be two different groups. Maybe, maybe Christ followers were shouting Hosanna. Maybe other doubters and religious elitists were actually wanting to crucify him. We do know historically that this time, Palm Sunday, is what they call the Passover meal. Do you guys remember when Moses led the Egypt, uh, led Israelites out of Egypt, God had asked them to put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, right, so that the judgment would pass over his chosen people. Isn't that prophetic about his church, Jesus Christ, who would die on the cross with his bloodshed for us on the cross? His judgment would be passed over us. In fact, his judgment would be on his own son, taking our judgment, taking our sin away, taking our dirt, our nastiness, our thoughts all away from past, present, and forever. Come on, isn't that amazing that our Jesus would pass over us and see us like that by the finished blood of the Lamb? Isn't that good? That's where you clap right there. I don't know about y'all. I know who I am. My cat knows who I am. My wife knows who I am. I know who I am. But I'm grateful that my Savior loves me and always sees me with loving eyes. Amen, amen. So we don't know if it's the same people, but regardless, that's beside the point. Jesus was on his mission to uh, fulfilling uh, the, the promise. And let me tell you, uh, the Christian faith is essentially, this is it right here, where Jesus goes to the cross and on three days is risen from the grave. And I'll be preaching about that next week, which I'm really, really excited about. There is always hope. Let me tell you something. There is always hope, always hope. My wife and I were crying. Whew, I think Whew, let me take a breath. My wife and I were crying, and I you know I'm a man, I like to cry a lot. In fact, let me tell you, we're, we're going to get to the part of tears where Jesus was crying, all right? So, man, Jesus cried. God cried. And let me tell you something. He cried, all right, to actually sympathize with people. 
because, because God loves you so much. He wants you to know how that he feels what you feel. Come on. So he cries with you. Oh, isn't that good? Jesus wants you to know that he feels what you. Some of you feel like God doesn't know what you feel like. Oh, come on, somebody. He cries with you in the pain. He feels the pain with you. Come on, somebody. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're going through. He's been there. He's done that. And in fact, let me just say this again. Let me just go back as a, before I get into this. Let me just say this with you. If you ever feel alone, if you ever feel like you're isolated, if you ever feel like you've been depressed before, let me tell you something. Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. Why do we know this? All right. Because Jesus was utterly rejected. Jesus was was actually crucified outside the city of Jerusalem. Do you know why? Because they thought that you can't do that up in here in Jerusalem. This is a holy city. You got to be doing that outside. Jesus knows exactly what it means to be lonely, to be isolated, to be, feel saddened and rejected. In the prophecies of actually Isaiah tells us about the suffering servant. Or I'm not getting a little theological on your teaching here, which is actually Mark, the book, the account of Mark, which is his narrative. The the suffering Suffering servant that the Messiah must suffer for his people. But the Jews and the religious elite did not want to accept that at the time. All right. Let me tell you, if you're alone this morning, you're not alone. Jesus is with you in the pain. He will cry with you. He knows exactly what you're going through and you can make it through. Come on, somebody. You ought to keep coming to church. You ought to meet a friend in church who will go walk this thing out with you. So a few weeks ago, my wife and I are talking about hope. My wife and I were actually crying and I didn't mean to cry, but my father actually passed away almost nine years, nine years ago in this time. He had stage four cancer, and he actually died the day before Easter. He died the day before Easter, and I just, I just forgot. And it just hit me the other day. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I remember I was in church the following day, that Sunday. He died on a Saturday, and it was the second. And I believe Easter was April 3rd, which was a Sunday. And I want to let you know that I was praising God Knowing that, because what, what, the thing about my father is they, they told him he had stage four cancer, and he was at USC right here, which is Austin, the medical, the county hospital. And he, the, the sad part was that they told him he had no hope. They said, you know what, it, it's pretty much over for you. There is no hope for you. You better get your house in order soon. They said, you got six months. And you got six months since I saw you got. He's 40, 41 years old, very young, very young. Get your stuff ready, man. And you know what? Let me tell you something, church. You know where my dad found hope? He would go to church every Sunday with stage four cancer, not missing one week of church. You know why? Because it was there he found hope in Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. He found hope in the living God. All right, despite what he was going through, only 100 pounds, stage four cancer. And let me tell you, he would praise God with stage four cancer. And the only time that he would ever miss church was the time, the week that he left. And, and I remember the pastor came up to me and said, Michael, your dad gave his life to Jesus, and which was excited. But I think, I, I think, I, this is my thought, I don't think he gave his life because he did before. I think he went up to the altar call to say to God, I'm ready to go home. Come on, somebody. There is always hope in Jesus. I don't know who's told you you don't have hope. I don't know if it's a doctor, a friend, maybe a TV show, maybe a radio station, maybe a podcast. But there is always hope in Jesus. Why? Because he defeated the grave. Come on, somebody. He defeated sin. And I have this hope. 
that I will see my dad again because I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm a believer in the resurrection and the atonement of Christ my Lord, taking my sin, taking my everything from me, taking me from my bondages. I believe that I have this hope that's essentially what the Christian faith is built on, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can go to the tomb today. He will not be there. All right, you can visit. It's an empty tomb. He just borrowed it for three days. Jesus Christ defeated death. Jesus Christ defeated sin, right? Jesus Christ defeated the powers of darkness. So Jesus Christ is able, all right? I didn't mean to go off on all that. It's not even in my notes, but I want to let you know this morning that he is able, and he knows exactly what you're going through. Now, one thing that really uh, touched me as Jesus was approaching, say approaching, Jesus was actually approaching the, uh, the, the, the city of Jerusalem. And I want to let you know this morning, which, what, I found this quite interesting. Check this out. The Mount of Olives, in fact, an olive branch actually is a symbol of peace. An olive branch is a symbol of peace, all right? He was on the Mount of Olives, right, with many olive groves. So the Prince of Peace was standing on the Mountain of Peace overlooking the city of peace. Jerusalem means peace. Let me say that again, all right? Your pastor does his homework, all right? The Prince of Peace was standing on the Mountain of Peace overlooking Jerusalem, the city of peace. Salem means peace, all right? He he knew exactly what he was doing. Our God is good. And let me tell you, Jerusalem was feeling everything but peace in its time, right? They were occupied by the Roman... by the Roman government, by the Roman soldiers. They were quarreling, even though it was Passover. There was pressure. There was anxiety, right? They, they, these oppressors were harming the Israelites. So the city had every, anything but peace. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I don't know if you feel anything but peace in this place. I don't know what your work week was like. I don't know if your, your boss is an angry tyrant, all right? I don't know if you're in search of peace, but I want to let you know that the Prince of Peace is overlooked your situation he knows exactly what you're going through and he wants you to be stable in him amen that's why you're here this morning and I love the fact that he was standing on the mountain of olives and they say the mountain of olives is a ridge above Jerusalem so it's a bit higher than the city and Jerusalem is actually on a a hill all right a mountain and he was overlooking it believing having having peace for this city, believing, praying for it. I believe Jesus Christ is overlooking your situation. I love this in Luke 19, it says this, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that he had seen. Come on, so has someone seen a miracle or two in your life? Have you seen God move in your life? And what, what miracle particularly? Check this out in John chapter 12, verse 17 in the NLT version, it says this, many in the crowd seeing Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead. And they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many, say that was the reason, that was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about the miraculous sign. Uh, Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone is gone after him. I love what the pastor in Atlanta, Louis Giglio, says. Worship is simply giving God his breath back. Let me tell you, there are going to be people in your life who are going to try to steal your worship. There are going to be people in your life who are going to try to minimize the miracle work that Jesus has done in your life. But Jesus wants you to praise him. Jesus wants you to understand what he's done for you. It wasn't just the medicine. 
medicine. God had provided the medicine for your healing, right? God knows exactly what you're facing, and he knows the miracle that you need today. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? God is a good God, all right? And I love it. It says they are praising Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they had palm branches, which is a symbol of victory, a symbol of triumph. Hosanna, and the word Hosanna means save now. Hosanna, save us right now. Why are these people saying save us? Because they're being occupied by the Romans, because they're being tortured, they're being crucified, they're treated like slaves, they're treated like dirt and dust, so they need a savior, they need a king, and that's why when they see Jesus, they're saying, Hosanna in the highest, we have a savior who gets us, who's weeping with us, who understands us, who forgives us, right, who heals us. Come on, somebody, you out there, right? Hosanna, so don't ever let anyone steal your worship. Come on. I know some people have seen some miracles this morning. I know some people in this place have seen some miracles in their life. I've I've heard about some healings here in this place. In fact, I always share it. Mercy has had, I'm sorry, Mercy, I'm putting you on blast, but I don't think you would, I don't think you would not mind that. We have a lady in this place who had cancer three times, and all three times God has healed her. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing, right? We've had stories upon stories. People who couldn't have babies have had babies. Come on, somebody. So I, you, you, here's, here's a note for some of you right now. You're waiting for the miracle to happen, and then you want to get your praise on with God. God wants you to praise him right now, church, because that's what your faith is. Believe it right now. Let me tell you something. When we started our church, my wife was our first member, and, it was, and we had mannequins at our first location. It was pathetic. Let me tell you, it was pathetic. It was like, God, I don't believe this. But every day, almost, it felt like I was praising God in my room, in my workplace. I was praising God wherever I was because I believed it before I saw it. The righteous shall live by faith, not by sight. Come on, somebody. You're waiting to see it, but God wants you to see it in faith, all right? Believe it. Believe your miracle is coming. Believe your God cares for you. Believe God knows what you need, and it's on its way. Oh, come on, somebody. It's on its way. It's coming. So praise God right now. Don't wait for the miracle to come. It may never come. It may never come if you don't praise him. But God's miracle, his, his healing, his miracle is coming, and it's on its way. Come on, somebody. You out there. I love that the Pharisees basically said, you're getting too loud, guys. You know our occupiers are here, and there's only one king. His name is Caesar, and you're welcoming this king, and guess what? You're about to throw the whole place in an uproar, and we don't want any more of a mess. Come on, somebody. It's not politically correct to, for Jesus to be your king. Let me say that again. It's not politically correct for Jesus to be your king. Why? Because there's only one king. His name is Caesar or Herod. Come on, somebody. We live in such a... I can't even get into all that. I'm going to leave that right there, all right? But let me tell you, there will be people who will try to steal your praise and don't ever try to give in to that because you know what God has done for you. You've seen what God has done for you. You know where you've been. You know where you come from. And you've seen how God has delivered you. Come on, somebody. You've seen and known that God has broken the depression, has broken the shackles, has broken uh, just the, 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 the devil all, all over you. He has done so many amazing things for you. Come on, somebody. Don't ever let the enemy steal your praise. Have faith and believe that he's working today. 
And, and check this out. In Luke chapter uh, 19, verses 41, the story actually kind of shifts a little bit. It goes from cheers, Hosanna, to jeers, where the Pharisees are saying, calm down. And it goes to tears. Now check this out a little bit. It says in Luke chapter 19, for the verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Now, there's only two times in the Bible that actually ever say that Jesus wept. One was with Lazarus. His sisters had seen that he had died, and Jesus actually felt sympathy for them and empathy, and he, he cried with them. And it says, as he approached Jerusalem, he wept over it. Now, this Jesus was actually very, very moved. Why? And said, if you, if you even you, had only known on this day, check this out, what would bring you peace. Isn't that ironic? The city of peace. If you, city of peace, would know what would bring you peace. You know who that is? Jesus. Jesus. If you had realized me, you would have this peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. And Jesus turns to be prophetic. He says, so check this out. As everyone is, is, is praising and saying, Hosanna in the highest, Jesus has a emotional moment while everyone else is rejoicing and he sees the future and he starts to weep and cry the tra- uh, passion translation says he weeps uncontrollably as other others are are, are embracing and and uh, rejoicing he's weeping over the city he says the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment which enemies the roman empire will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side they will dash you to the ground you and the children within your walls they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize say recognize recognize the time of god's coming to you. And in fact, as I was preaching this message and getting ready, I was like, God, I don't want to get into verse 41 because that goes like, hi, Hosanna, and then down. Like, what? I don't, that's not fun for preaching. You want to just be up here, but I have to give you the truth of the gospel. I can't just, I have to leave you with this because this is what Jesus is saying. He gets sad for them. You know why? It's actually prophetic in history. In AD 70, the Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem was actually overtaken by Rome. Why? Because guess what happened? The Jews decided to revolt against their occupiers, which doesn't sound bad. But guess what? They, Jesus is saying, if you only knew that I was your peace, you're missing what God is doing right now. Somehow you're being blind to the miracle. Somehow you're, you can't see that prostitutes are getting saved. Blind beggars are seeing when they were born blind. Things are, I'm, people are being raised from the dead. Jerusalem, can you not see the time and hour of God's visitation? And because you cannot see, you are going to revolt in 70 years from now, or 65 years, whatever it is, 65 to 70 and years AD, and the Romans are going to treat you so maliciously. They think of you as slaves. They're going to crucify me soon because they think of me as slave. But if you only knew church, your peace is right here this morning. Stop Stop looking and overlooking God because his hour of visitation is right now. Come on, somebody. Right now, I want to speak to some people. Right now, you've been looking hard for God. You've been searching for him. And you're getting tired of searching. Let me tell you, you're searching with the wrong kind of eyes. You need to search with these eyes right here. You need to open up your heart and God will show you. You keep doubting God because you don't see him with these eyes. Some of you may. 
All right? But God is speaking to you right now, even as I speak. And you know he's moving. You know he saved you. You know you should have got hurt that one time, but he spared you. You know when you went out with a group of guys, you could have lost your life, but God spared you. Come on, somebody. You know that God is with you. And don't harden your heart. Realize and recognize the hour and, and, and time of God's visitation. See, what happened is the Jewish people took matters into their own hands. And so they revolted, and guess what happened, right? But God had come to them and had, had instead of taking it into their own hands, they should have realized God was moving inside of them, amen? I remember there's a story, and I hope I don't embarrass them if they're here, but I, I was studying at a coffee shop, and I was studying for the message. I usually, usually start the messages on, on Wednesdays, maybe sometimes earlier, earlier, but my protocol is Wednesdays through Saturdays is when I start prepping the message. So here came a Wednesday. I had my coffee. I had, it was awesome. My pour-over hot coffee. I had my earbuds in. I had my, my Bible in my lap. I had my music going. And I was ready to study for God's word and just, you know, get that cooking. And there was this young man, probably same age as me, he comes and sits down, and he sees me with my Bible open, and uh, I could see he's turning his head about to talk to me, and I'm like, bro, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm already in my mode. Like, I got the, I got the, the, the vibes going. Like, don't do it. And uh, he, he, I see him going to do it, and he's, he asked me a question about the Bible, and I said, I answered his question politely, and, and I was annoyed, <laughs> and I put my he- headphones back on, and want to get back into my prep time and uh, get into my task I was in and then uh, he looked away and I, I kid you not 30 seconds later he looked at me again and asked me another question I'm like come on man in my heart because I just want to get my job done right let me tell you something church I was missing a moment I was missing the time of God's moving and let me tell you God moves not on your time God moves on his time. God has created time, and time works for our God. We are in creation. Time itself is a creation, and God will move on his time. But let me tell you, church, don't miss it. Don't miss it. It may come in a way that you may not expect. And so this guy, I kid you not, I went like this about five times because he asked me a question, and I put him back in. He asked me another question, and then I just stopped and closed up my Bible, and I realized God's moving here. God had sent this man somehow to line up with me. I don't know him. I don't know where he's from. And we connected and we talked. And he basically was hurting. And he had a lot of questions about relationships and a lot of questions about God. You know, I'm not sure I believe in God. I'm not sure I'm, I'm not that kind of religious person. And I said, let me tell you something, man. God don't want a religion with you. God is madly, deeply in love with you. And he don't want all that with you. He wants to take you where you're at, hurt and all, all, all maybe messed up. And God loves you right now, right now. He loves you. And the way you're hurt, God's hurting with you. And he said, you know what, man? No one's ever told me something like that before. He said, I have to get my act right if, if I, I want to get to God. And I said, you know what? God takes you just like you are right now. He'll clean up the act later, right? And let me tell you something, church. I, invite, I prayed for him, and I invited him to church. And about two weeks, three weeks later, he came to church. Didn't know this guy, total stranger. He came to church. And not only did he come to church, he, he, get, he came and he brought his mother to church. And let me tell you something. Oh, it gets gooder. Come on, somebody. His mom and him, I believe, I'm not too sure, but I believe they gave both of their lives to God. Come on, isn't God good, right? Don't ever uh, uh, re- so realize that God's ways and the way God moves sometimes is not 
on our time. Here is a situation where Jesus, the, the uh, uh, Palm Sunday, God visits them, Jerusalem, and they miss it. Some of them miss it. God doesn't want you to miss it this morning. God wants you to open up your eyes and open up your heart to realize how he's moving in your life. Come on, somebody. You know, last thing before we pray is every time uh, we close down after church, for church, our team gets together in a huddle. After you leave, after we tear everything down, we pray and we say, you know, what did God do? What did God do in this place? You know why, church? Because we don't want to miss it. We don't want to just set up lights and drums and a projector for nothing. You know, there's better places in L.A. to go see all that. Come on, somebody. But we don't want to miss what God is doing. Because what God is doing here, God is not always doing in a concert hall. Come on, somebody. Isn't that amazing? God is cleaning up lives. God is changing hearts. God is loving people. God is accepting people, right? Every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I pray that it blessed you. It's so vital to do life together. That's why I would love to invite you to The Calling Church. Bring a friend. We will love to meet you. Also, stay connected to our church via our website, The Calling Church app, or our social media. God bless you.